You're listening to Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, for your very best of health. According to very recent research by the charity Breast Cancer Now, two in five women across the UK do not check their breasts regularly for the signs and symptoms of breast cancer. Worryingly, fewer women are regularly checking their breasts now compared with similar research conducted last year. Katie Goford is a clinical nurse specialist from Breast Cancer Now. Breast cancer is the most common cancer in women and we know that incidence rates are rising. And we also know that if breast cancer is detected early and it's treated quickly, the outcomes are so much better. I see from your poll data as to the reasons given as to what stops or prevents women from regularly checking their breasts. The main reasons were forgetting at 42%, 31% cited not being in the habit of checking their breasts, 18% lacked confidence in checking their breasts, and 15% said they didn't know how to check their breasts. So what should women be looking out for and how often should they be checking their breasts? So we're not prescriptive. We wouldn't say that you have to check your breasts every Tuesday at three o'clock, for example. But what we would be saying is to get into the habit as part of your routine to check your breasts and to know what you look and feel like normally. Give your breasts some TLC, touch, look and check. And what we mean by that is to examine your breasts all the way up to your collarbone and all the way under your armpit as well, because that's the whole breast area. A lot of people don't realise how much the breast tissue extends, but it is quite a big area that you need to examine. There's not a right or wrong way of examining yourself. It's just touching your breast and knowing what you feel like normally. And at the same time, we would recommend that you have a look at yourself in the mirror so you know what your breasts look like as well. Stand in front of the mirror with your hands by your side, maybe with your hands on your hips, and then with your hands above your head so you know what your breasts look like in a normal situation. And that way, by getting used to that, if anything changes, you'll recognise it. So that's the touch and the look side of things. And the C is the checking anything is different. Most of the time when you find a change, it won't be breast cancer, but it's always important to get that checked. And the things that you're looking out for If you were to notice anything that felt like a lump or any swelling in your breast, in your armpit or up into your collarbone, that would be a reason to get that checked out by your doctor. The same if you notice any changes to your skin. So if you notice that your skin is pulling in, it's looking a bit puckered or you've got any dimpling that looks a bit like an orange peel. Or if you notice any changes to the colour of your skin, so if it's looking red or inflamed. Also to check your nipple. So you'd be looking at the direction that your nipple is. Everybody's nipple points differently. For some people, it's their normal that their nipple points inwards. But if it doesn't normally and it started to do that, that would be a reason to get in touch with your doctors. When you're looking at the nipple as well, you'd also need to be aware of any rashes or any crusting around the nipple or any unusual discharge or liquid that was coming from that area. And finally, you'd want to have a look at your shape and the size of your breasts. So if you were to feel that your breast had changed shape or got bigger or got smaller, then again, that's something that you should alert your doctor to and go and get checked out. All women aged 50 up to their 71st birthday are invited for breast screening every three years. 61.8% of women took up their invitation in 2020 to 2021, a 7.3% decrease on the previous year. 
we know that when people find their breast cancers on mammograms, often they don't have any other signs or symptoms. So although you might examine yourself, you may not notice any lumps or bumps or any changes that I've just talked about. And it might be something that's so early that it's not detectable by yourself. So attend your mammograms when you are invited. And we want to get that message across that it is important. We know that people are sometimes frightened and they don't want to come forward and they're afraid of what might be found. But the key message here really is if it's caught early, breast cancer can be treated very easily and very well with very good outcomes. Word on health. Feel very best of health. A growing number of people who contract COVID-19 cannot shake off the effects of the virus months after initially falling ill. Symptoms are wide-ranging and fluctuating and can include breathlessness, chronic fatigue, brain fog, anxiety and stress. Estimates place the number of people affected at around 2 million. The long-term effects of COVID-19 are often referred to interchangeably as long COVID and post-COVID syndrome. Anecdotal evidence suggests patients wishing to source reliable information about it can find it challenging which is what motivated long COVID patient, documentary maker and YouTuber Jez Medinga to act. The landscape out there was incredibly confusing. If you were just coming down with these symptoms for the first time, maybe you thought you should have recovered from an acute COVID infection and then suddenly you haven't recovered and you're getting new symptoms, confusing, debilitating symptoms. The doctors aren't well equipped yet. We haven't accrued enough evidence to give them the evidence-based medicine to work from. But yet we are learning quite a lot about it. We're sort of at this cutting edge of research. And if you want to try and find out what's on that front line, it's very difficult. I mean, you can try and get onto Google, but who knows what you're going to find. And it struck me that what we desperately needed was a single resource that brought together everything that we'd learned to be a digestible, accessible, practical, helpful guide for people who were struggling with long COVID symptoms. Your co-author to the new long COVID handbook is Professor Danny Altman. He's from Imperial College, where he's Professor of Immunology. He was also a member of SAGE's COVID Task Force. And according to the Sunday Times, he's the world's leading expert on long COVID. Delighted to say he joins me on the line. Professor Altman, what's our latest understanding? of long COVID? We've gone from a standing start to having lots of hypotheses about all the different things that you'll have read about and heard about, from autoimmunity to vasculitis to coagulation, you know, all these different hypotheses out there. But if you say to me today, what's the state of play? We have many thousands of peer-reviewed publications, some very good, some less good. And if you can hear me hesitating, it's because if I had to write the medical textbook chapter today, I couldn't do it yet. You know, we've got lots of decent research that kind of points the direction of travel. If you forced me to write something on the back of a postage stamp, I'd say SARS-CoV-2 is a virus that after the acute infection has gone away, leaves you with a persistent syndrome that seems to involve elements of symptoms that we all know very well, and that they could be caused by viral damage or immune disruption or autoimmunity or dysregulation of clotting and, and on and on and on. So it wouldn't be a very satisfying summary. Turning back to you, Jess, with Professor Altman's input, you've spoken to almost every expert in law COVID, as well as patients and experts in chronic illness and post-viral conditions for the formation of your book. Talk me through what you cover. So what long COVID actually is, how does it manifest in the way that it does? Who gets long COVID? One of the things I think that was a surprise to some people early on was that the sorts of people who were at risk from long COVID were not the sorts of people who are at risk from acute COVID. So we're not talking about old people or immunocompromised people. These are very young, very fit, very healthy people who are at risk. We have a whole chapter talking about children who also get long COVID. We've got two whole chapters talking about what we think is causing long 
long COVID. We've got a whole chapter talking about gender bias, because one of the things about long COVID is that it does seem that the majority of long COVID sufferers are women. We also talk about the impact on mental health. The illness itself has this enormous impact on your quality of life, but what it does to your mental health is absolutely crushing. And then beyond that, we have chapter on tips for managing symptoms. And again, this is all from hard earned experience. We have a very detailed chapter talking about what the treatment landscape is at the moment. And then we talk a little bit about what recovery might look like and what we hope for the future. Word on health. Feel very best of health. As part of the annual National Fertility Awareness Campaign, the charity Fertility Network UK that offers practical and emotional support and advice for the estimated one in six couples who have difficulty conceiving a baby is highlighting the impact of infertility, which is usually only diagnosed when a couple have not managed to conceive after a year. Gwenda Burns is CEO of Fertility Network UK. The impact should never be underestimated. It is a truly emotional and psychological roller coaster for many. And this can lead to relationship breakdowns, the feeling of social stigma, emotional stress, depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. And then there is the financial burden if you're unable to access NHS treatment, whilst many try to navigate that every lives, for example, in their workplace. And I believe this was illustrated through the recent research your charity conducted with 1,300 patients. Talk me through the top line findings. Four out of 10 respondents experienced suicidal feelings. Approaching half experienced feelings of depression. 83% felt sad, frustrated and worried, often at all of the time. More than one in 10 respondents either reduced their hours or left their job. Over a third felt that their career was damaged as a result of fertility treatment. And the majority felt concerned that fertility treatment would affect their career prospects. From a financial point, two-thirds of patients had to pay for their own medical treatment. The average cost of investigations and treatments was £13,750. And around one in ten couples spent more than £30,000, with a few spending over £100,000. What are you calling for? We're definitely calling for more emotional and mental health support, but also for an equitable service across the UK. Scotland has what is referred to as the gold standard, where all the nice criteria and access to IVF cycles. England, it's completely dependent on where you live. You could stay in one street and someone in the next street may be from a different postcode and they can access treatment and perhaps you cannot. In Northern Ireland, you can currently access a partial cycle, although we have seen a commitment that they will increase the provision. And in Wales, there's two cycles of treatment, and that's just not acceptable. We are supposed to have a national health service, not a local health service. I know, Gwenda, that through your annual awareness campaign, alongside highlighting impact and lobbying for greater consideration, you try and clear some of the classic fertility myths and misconceptions. Talk us through a few. It's only a women's issue. We always feel that we need to raise awareness with males in general. Male fertility isn't affected by age is another great one that seems to be thought quite widespread. Just relax and it will work in time. You know, that's really upsetting for someone that's gone through the journey to have said to them. If you conceive your first baby naturally, getting pregnant again will be easy. We work and support with many couples who find themselves in secondary infertility. 
And a huge one, and we always try to make sure there's awareness around this because there has been great advancements over many years. And we've seen this in the ability to freeze your eggs, but freezing your eggs or IVF will guarantee my family in the future is just not true. And people really need to be aware that freezing eggs or IVF will not guarantee your family in the future. What more needs to be done for people living through infertility? What's really important is having much more fertility education, which is really an essential part to protect and maintain reproductive health. UK data indicates that more women are having children now over the age of 35. More than 50% of babies born in the UK are to women over the age of 30 now. Fertility declines progressively through life and many women delay trying for a family until their mid to late 30s. And that's at the stage where fertility is more rapidly declining. Age is also a contributing factor to male fertility. It is also important to be educated and know that lifestyle choices can be a huge factor and to understand your own body and how that works. So, for example, to know that extremely painful periods should be investigated rather than accepted as normal. For males, if they experience swelling of the testicles, they should get checked. Another area is, of course, the postcode lottery and unequal access to treatment across the UK. There also needs to be much more research, which is severely lacking at the moment, into male infertility and improving the pathway of investigation for men. And of course, we need to see an increase in the emotional and mental health support. My grateful thanks to all my guests. For further information, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Word on Health, on air and online 52 weeks of the year with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, your personal prescription for your very best of health. 